Take your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. We're nearing the close of our study, and in fact, Lord willing, we're probably looking at maybe one more service in regards to teaching on this. Uh, If not, perhaps two. But um, I'm going to try and wrap this up before... Uh, the next, well, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, we will bring this uh, to a close. It's been a good study. Uh, at least I've enjoyed it. I know a lot of times it's difficult because it, it's broken up and you kind of get a little choppy bit here and there. And if you miss a Sunday or two, sometimes it's hard to follow the flow. Um, again, if you want to recap, you can always listen to Go Mix Radio on Sunday mornings at 845, The Voice of Truth. And uh, we're, you'll find this is the study we're going through, and it's several months back, so you can get caught up if you're behind on this study. I encourage you to listen to that, and uh, check that out when you get a chance. But uh, we're continuing our study in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want to uh, begin our reading in verse 12, actually verse 11, and we'll go forward. Therefore, comfort each other, edify one another, just as you are also doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test All things hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Father, I pray for your wisdom this morning. Lord, I ask for the Holy Spirit to guide and lead in this message. I pray for the hearts of those who are listening that you would open our eyes because we want to see you. So, Lord, spiritually, speak to us this morning. May Jesus Christ be lifted. And we'll ask it all in His name. Amen. So, again, we look at this letter. And we think about Paul's writing to those believers at Thessalonica. And he's closing out this last segment. And he's encouraging them on their relationship to God. And how they uh, should be conducting themselves as believers and especially in regards to their relationship to the great shepherd, to the Lord. And he's given this wisdom, this practical instruction on how we as believers should behave. And again, Paul's probably only been with these guys three weeks. I mean, it's it's very possible that his time of influence upon their lives was a very short amount of time. But yet... He has 
received back from Timothy because he, he sent Timothy back over there after he had to flee the town because of those uh, uh, Jews who had risen up within the marketplace and had gone to Jason's house to try and drag out the Apostle Paul and Timothy and Silas, but they weren't there. And so this uh, group of ruffians end up dragging Jason down to the Polytarchs, those city rulers. And you remember they, those believers instructed Paul and Timothy and the guys, look, man, you've got to get out of here. You've got to go because they're, they're, there's persecution. And they fled and they left and they end up going to eventually Berea, and they preached there, and then word came. They're over in Berea. So this group of troublemakers go over there and stir up more problems and cause Paul and them to leave there as well. And so that's when Paul sends back Timothy. Check on him. And I was, I was only there a short time. I have a heart for these people. He had a shepherd's heart. He was concerned with their spiritual growth. He knew they were doing good. And you can only imagine the growth he was seeing, this, this turning from idols, this turning to the, to the living God. But then to have to leave town under such distress. So he's in Corinth at this point, and Timothy comes back and gives that great report, good report, they're doing good. And so this is why Paul is writing, and he's saying, hey, I know you're doing good, but let me give you some more encouragement. And of course, we know at the center of this, there were those who were, who were a little shaken in their faith because... Those uh, saints who had died, did they miss the coming of the Lord? Paul assures them no. And in fact, you can encourage each other with these words. They will not proceed. That look, the dead in Christ will rise first, but we're going to be caught up in there. We're going to all be together. You don't have to fret over that. And so he's given them some encouragement. And here at the end, he's given the, them this practical instruction. And today I want to talk about verse 21. And I believe this is one of the areas that no doubt there in his day was troublesome, but I believe very much in our day. This is where the believer, the Christian, needs to camp out. Because if there is one thing that I have seen in in my span of, of ministry is that We as Christians, there's one area that we struggle in that we should not struggle in. It's in the area of discernment. Why is it that most of us struggle in the area of discernment when we have God's revealed truth? We have the authority of God's Word. Everything you and I need to live a godly life to live out the will of God, has been given to us. And yet, time and time again, we seem to stumble, we seem to make boneheaded decisions, and and, and we find ourselves oftentimes just, why? Why? Could we be any, 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 any dumber? Confession. You know, confession's good for the soul. When I was in college, I made a very boneheaded decision. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. Here I was in Bible college. Now, you know, 
Uh, again, I, you got to realize I was a babe in Christ, even though I was in Bible college. You like the way I qualified that, you know, just so you kind of understand why maybe perhaps I made this boneheaded decision. Well, I was working security uh, there on the campus, and, and I had the graveyard shift. I had that, you know, 11 o'clock, 7 a.m. in the morning. And I worked with a, a brother in the Lord and, and good friend of mine at the time. He is now a pastor of a large church in Greensboro. And you got, you got to know that any of you that have been to Piedmont Baptist College, now Piedmont International University, it's in downtown Winston-Salem, just off of Business 40, the opposite side of downtown. Not in the best of neighborhoods, but it sits there in, in Winston-Salem in the downtown area. And used to, it's not there anymore, but used to, on the way into the campus, literally right before you come to the campus, they had a huge billboard. Just this huge billboard that you could see from Business 40. And so, you know, at given times there'd be all kinds of different advertisements there on the billboard. Well, one day we noticed they had changed the advertisement. And there on the billboard sign, right prior to Piedmont International University, the training ground for missionaries, missionary wives, and and preachers, and preachers' wives, and just, you know, Christian teachers, was coming to Winston-Salem, Chippendale dancers, live. And, wow, you know, not exactly what you wanted to see going into the Bible College campus. Well, um, my pastor friend um, influenced me. Notice how I put that on him. Yeah. And uh, he thought it would be a great idea if he and I and another guy that played basketball there at the school, if we took our pictures and had his wife go down to Kinko's and have it blown up and then scale this sign and paste our faces over these bodies of Chippendales. Hey, sounded like a funny idea at the time. All I know was the next morning when everyone come rolling into campus, faculty included, there up on this sign was a picture of all these buff guys with their little bow ties, but on the faces was none other than these two guys in yes, Pastor Jeremy's mugshot. Like I said, not the most discerning moment in my, in my life. And uh, by the time the sun come up, I had realized that it wasn't the most discerning thing. And before I could get to Greek class, I told Rodney, I said, oop, I gave his name away, didn't I? I said, Rodney, man, I don't care what you got to do, but you got to scale back up there and get those things off now. And, of course, he was the only one limber enough to climb that high up and take them off. And he did. He, he went immediately and he pulled them down. And, and we thought we had averted, you know, a lot of people from witnessing that. Wasn't the case. The end of my first class, I got the note, um, Jeremy, Rodney, uh, the dean of men needs to see you. So I was all prepared. I was willing to take my medicine because I had made a dumb decision. I had not discerned. I, 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 and so I go to the door and I get ready to walk into the, the dean of men's office. And I said, before you say anything, I just want you to know it's already taken down. And he just started shaking his head and then he started laughing. <laughs> 
And he said, I just want you to know that some of us on staff thought that was the funniest thing we have ever seen. And I was like, Phew. He said, but some of them didn't. And he said, so as long as you've assured me it's been taken down, then we're okay. Again, if I could rewind the clock, I would have probably not done such a foolhardy thing because I would not have wanted to offend some of the ones who perhaps were offended, though it was kind of funny. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, it wasn't very discerning, though. And it amazes me, though, as those of us who are hopefully growing and maturing, and I can honestly say, praise the Lord, I believe I have grown a lot since then. doesn't mean I don't still make boneheaded decisions. But one thing I learned through that is to try and be more discerning in the decisions that we make in life. And I find that as Christians, oftentimes this is an area that we don't do so well in. And it amazes me when we have the Word of God to guide us. Paul is writing to these Thessalonican believers. And he's just told them not to quench the Spirit. And he says, do not despise prophecies. And we talked about this last time, about, look, don't detest God's Word. Sometimes uh, people, they detest God's Word. They say, oh, it's just a bunch of rules, it's a bunch of regulations, and, and, and they detest the instruction, the revealed truth of God's Word. You know, we used to have a, a, a dog, it now belongs to Allison's parents, though they debate that when they come to the house. Um, they still say it's ours anytime we want it back. <laughs> but when we first got this dog, we, you know, we figured dogs need to be on a leash. I mean, you know, that's just how I thought, and dogs need to be outside. That was just what I thought. Dogs need to be outside until I moved in to a neighbor who was a pet lover, and the first winter that came and the first cold night that came, he made sure that he came over to our house. Hey, uh, just, um, just wanted to see, you're going you're to bring that dog in the house tonight, right? <laughs> um, well, uh, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah. So we, thanks to our neighbor, uh, began to keep our dog in the house and, of course, made the mistake of keeping the dog in a kennel. And he learned how to get out of the kennel. And the first time he got out of the kennel, he let me know he didn't like being in the kennel. Now, I remember coming home from church, and we had two youth members with us. And, and I opened the door first, and I walked in. I said, whoa, whoa, stop, get back, get back. Somebody's broken our house. <laughs> and I remember walking in the house, and I mean, the blinds were torn down. The TV had fallen over. There were videotapes everywhere, and the, some of the stuff had been pulled out. And, and I mean, it was looked like a tornado had hit. And I was nervous for my family and these youth because I don't know, this criminal's still in the house. <laughs> so I'm thinking, i got to get to my room to either get my... Uh, I'm a packing pastor. i got to get to my, <laughs> my protection. And I'm, I'm walking in there. And, and I'm, I'm stepping in and I'm looking and I'm trying to be quiet. And all of a sudden... I found my culprit. My dog had gotten out. 
Uh, again, discernment was developed as a result, and the dog won, and for years we had dogs in our house. But we used to put this dog on the leash in the backyard, and, and, and you know, I again, I had thought, well, hey, I love my dog. The reason I was doing this was because I didn't want my dog going into the road to play. And my dog didn't have the discernment to know whether or not they'd go play in the road. And so I was protecting my dog. It's kind of like when you go driving around the mountains of the Blue Ridge Parkway, there are these guardrails. Now, you don't drive around the parkway and go, you know, I can't stand these guardrails. They just keep me from having all kinds of fun. Maybe I want to go off-roading right here. No, they're there for your protection. They're there for your safety. And God has given us parameters in life, and within the will of God... There are parameters, there's guardrails, there's a leash that God has upon His people in a sense to protect us, to keep us from the dangers, to keep us from the harm that we might inflict upon ourselves because of our lack of discernment. So the more you and I get into the Word of God and not detest God's instruction, not turn or harden our heart to what God has revealed to us that's going to help us to have a life and have a life more abundant, we begin to see the loving hand of God in that. Paul wants these people to know that they should not detest prophecy. They should not detest the the revealed Word of God. And this verse 21 attaches itself to that. You've got to realize, in this day, there was not the written Word like we have it today. Yeah, there, was, there were uh, manuscripts, there were scrolls that were often read. They had the Old Testament in a sense, but the New Testament was being written. In fact, this very letter is the inspired Word of God that goes to these believers. And so, Paul is saying, look, you're hearing the Word of God. But, there's something that we need to do. Test all things. What? You mean we're not just to to receive it just because it's under the umbrella of Christianity? Well, they say they're a Christian. Aren't we we on the same boat here? Uh, Aren't we, uh, uh, you know, hey, these people are believers, right? So therefore, it's all good. Paul says, no, test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. You see, our struggle, Christian, is too oftentimes in the day in which we live, especially, we have no discernment. You talk to some people and, and you'll hear them, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're quoting this guy and they're quoting that guy, and, and these guys ain't even in the same camp. I remember the story of uh, John MacArthur tells of when he was on vacation, he was actually traveling across country, and on his way, it was actually he was going to pick up his son. I tell you that he was going to pick up his son, and he noticed this little sign as through one of the towns he was going through. It said quilts, homemade quilts for sale. And he tells the story of how he stopped in, and, and there was this home, and it was an old home just kind of off the beaten path, and he made his way to this home. It didn't look like a business, but there in the yard was Homemade quilts for sale. So he, he knocked on the door. Yes, I saw your sign for buying a quilt. I'd like to purchase one of your quilts. Could I take a look? 
she said yes, she invited him, nice old lady, she, she had him come in the house, and he said there were different quilts all over uh, on display, and uh, there was this you know, specific quilt he remembered that was just all kinds of patches put together. Some of you know the type of quilt I'm speaking about. Just a variety of patches all over this quilt this lady had made. He also noticed that over in uh, Lazy Boy Recliner was her husband, and he had a stack of Christian literature around him with a remote control on top. And he began to speak to the man, and he makes the comment that he looks like the guy had probably been there as long as the quilts in the literature, and he probably hadn't moved from that spot. But he noticed as he was speaking to the man that he had material from the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, some charismatic teachers, and some sound teachers. And the impression that MacArthur had upon leaving after speaking to the man, and by the way, the man said, hey, they all have some good truth in them, don't they? And MacArthur thought, you know what? This woman's pattern of hodgepodge quilting was the same theology this man had. Hodgepodge theology. Take a little bit from here, take a little bit from there, take a little bit from over here, because after all, you know, it's all kind of the same, isn't it? No. You see, there is truth and there is error. And this man didn't have discernment to tell the difference between truth and error. Turn over, if you would, in your Bible to 1 John, because this is very important that we understand as Christians that we can develop our discernment. Because, folks, just because something's under the umbrella of Christianity doesn't mean it's Christian. It doesn't mean that it's true. Look over in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says this. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Whether they are of God, because many, many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, one of the spiritual gifts that was given, and, and quite often you don't see too many exercising it today, was this, the, the spiritual gift of discernment. We're to test the spirits. We're to test the message. Because, by the way, every message, every philosophy, every truth claim that comes out of the mouth of someone, and by the way, everyone has a claim of truth. Everyone. In other words, everyone has a belief system. 
An atheist has the belief system that there's no God. That is his claim of truth. The Buddhist has a claim of truth. He believes the teachings of Buddha. The Islamic world, they proclaim, they make a truth claim that Muhammad is the true prophet, Allah the only God. That is a claim of truth that they make. Christianity, biblical Christianity says Jesus Christ is the only way and no one comes to the Father but by Him. That is a claim of truth. Now, with all of these people claiming truth, they cannot all be right. So you've got to test the spirits. You've got to examine the message. Because, by the way, every message is driven by a messenger. And we believe, according to this passage, that those spirits that are delivering false truth claims are demonic. They're an antichrist. That is the message of the antichrist spirit, which is already in the world. And this is in the writing when when John is writing this. And so, it may come a shock to some of you, but not all religions lead to the same God. You can't have Christianity specifically claiming the only way, and yet the Islamic faith saying Jesus was not the Son of God, and He didn't die on the cross, and therefore He didn't rise again from the dead. When Christianity says Jesus is the only way, He is the Son of God, and He did rise from the dead. Those are in opposition to one another. So we've got to do the math. We've got to examine, we've got to test all things and prove what is good. And we need to hold to that which is true. The only way you and I know what is true in any circumstances, in any claim of life, is to examine it in lieu of God's Word. Now, you may not like it. You may not like the answer you find. But if it's true... Is true. And we must get in line under God's truth. And that's what Paul's wanting these believers to know. He says, look, you need to hold fast what is true. Notice back again over in Thessalonica, over in 1 Thessalonians. He says, test all things. You know that word test? That word test in the Greek, it, it gives this uh, picture of what it means when you were testing metals, precious metals, to examine them, to put them under the pressure, under the scrutiny, to, to, to find out if it's pure, if it's genuine, if it's authentic. And yet, too often times today, instead of us doing that, we want to be politically correct. We don't want to offend. We don't want to stand alone in our view. And so we ignore the testing aspect. We don't examine it with the scrutiny that needs to be examined. Again, 
the God of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the God of the Mormons, is not the God of this Bible. And I'm afraid too many people are being deceived because they have not tested the message or the messengers. You know, Paul, when he wrote this, and he put that they are to test all things, he knew the danger. He knew the danger of false prophets, false claims that had already began to creep in, to creep in. And he knew, and he warned them. And so he's asking them to do this very important thing. You know, when we think about discernment, uh, there are a number of passages that that come to mind. And you know, the world loves to to quote one of these passages out of context. You know, you Christians shouldn't use discernment because discernment is being judgmental. You know, you're, you're judgmental. Who are you? You know, the Bible says, judge not, lest ye be judged. I love to quote that one. They actually, and I think now there was a study done, that's more quoted than John 3.16 now. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And of course, they miss the whole context of the passage because in that context, the Bible goes on and, and the Word of God tells us that it's about judging righteous judgment. In fact, if if we can remove the telephone pole out of our own eye, then we can see clearly how to remove the toothpick from the other person's eye. But the point is helping them to remove it. So we want to judge righteously. The Bible says, He who is spiritual judges all things. We have to exercise discernment, Christian. And the only way we can discern properly is not by our emotions, not by how I feel about this, not by compartmentalizing my faith, because my faith doesn't apply in this area. And that's what a lot of people are guilty of in this world and day in which we live. We somehow think faith is only what we do on Sunday or behind closed doors. Christians, we are called to live out our faith. Not compartmentalize it. And yet, there are certain areas, certain areas that that part of the room, that part of the house is off limits. I don't find that in Scripture. We are to live out our faith. A.W. Tozer said, Among the gifts of the Spirit, scarcely one is of greater practical usefulness than the gift of discernment. This gift should be highly valued and frankly sought as being almost indispensable in these critical times. This gift will enable us to distinguish the chaff from the wheat and and to divide the manifestation of the flesh from the operations of the Spirit. We're called to test all things. Are you examining the evidence? Are you weighing out the claims? Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it's good. Just because something sounds true doesn't make it true. 
God's Word is the only plumb line that we need to line up with. You know, Paul knew this, and this is why I think he instructed this here. Think about what Paul had just gone from. When he fled Thessalonica, he went to Berea. Remember what he said about the Bereans? He said they were more noble. They were more noble than the Thessalonians and any other, for that matter, that he had witnessed to and preached to. Why were they so much more noble? Well, the Word of God says they were noble because they examined everything he taught in lieu of the Scriptures. In other words, when Paul gave a message, they didn't just take it as being true. They looked into the Word of God to find out if what he was saying was true. They searched the Scriptures daily, is what the Bible says, to examine Paul's message in lieu of the prophecies of old. Because again, Paul was proclaiming, he'd go into the synagogues, as was his custom. He'd open up, hey, you know what Isaiah said? That's Jesus. Hey, you know what Daniel said? That's Jesus. Hey, you know what? And he was constantly taking the Scriptures to point them to Christ. And so they went back and examined the message of the Scriptures to find out if the message that Paul was proclaiming was in line. Church, you do not take what your pastor says as true without examining it for yourself. You have a responsibility to see if what I am proclaiming from the Word of God is true. And if it is true, praise be to God. And if you find that I'm ever teaching something that is in error, then you have a responsibility to please come sit down with me and explain and share your heart. Now, again, there are certain things that good Christians debate over, but they don't need to divide. But when we're talking core doctrines, we do divide from the Mormons. We do divide from the Jehovah's Witnesses. We're to examine. We're to test all spirits to see whether or not they're of God. So, what about this? Paul, what, 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 what about this message? Well, again, I think when we test all things and we hold fast what is good, we hold fast, we retain, we stand strong with, we stand firm with, and we abstain from every form of evil. You know, part of the lack of discernment, we have taken liberty and we've used it as a cloak for vice. Oh, I got liberty in Christ. I can, I can do this. The Bible doesn't say this is wrong. In fact, it says, you know, that I have freedom in Christ, not freedom to sin. And a lot of Christians, again, don't use discernment. And so therefore, they are using this as a crutch. They're using this as an excuse to open the door for their own selfish indulgences. Abstain from every form of ungodliness. Is this action... Is this a place I'm going to? Is this what I'm doing? Is it potentially an offense to a fellow believer? Maybe I need to abstain from it. Does this look like Christ? Is this how Christ would do? Is this the way He would live? You know, 
we need to test all things. Hey, look, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Just because you have freedom to drink a cold beer, is that really the best thing for you to be doing? I remember a story. A Christian called me up. He said, uh, Pastor, I'm, I'm concerned. He said, this, this was in my other ministry. He said, I was in the store today. And I saw Brother So-and-so, and I couldn't help but notice he had a bottle of wine. Now, look, I don't want to issue preach here. But it obviously bothered this brother enough for him to call me. Because, see, this brother used to be an alcoholic. And now he saw his brother in Christ openly, blatantly right there. And did he have the liberty to do that? Sure. And I know some of you may drink a glass of wine. That's your business. But I know for me, this is an area the door don't even need to be open. Abstain from all appearances of wrongdoing. In the eyes of someone, and again, you take this with a grain of salt. There's, we have developed a gray area in Christianity that I don't think exists. And why do we create this gray area? So that we can consume it on ourselves. Alright? It's not because we are somehow spiritually arrived and we got better understanding than someone. No, Paul does say, hey, you can, meet, you can eat meat offered to idols. You got that freedom. But if I know it's going to offend... I'll give up meat altogether than to cause my brother to stumble. So be careful with your liberty. Discern. Maturity isn't about right and wrong. Some of you are concerned with right and wrong. Is it right? Is it wrong? Wrong question. Is it best? That's what a maturing Christian asks. Is this best? Do I have freedom? Maybe so. But is it the best thing? That's the question we need to be asking. So Paul says, test all things. Hold to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Let's pray. Father, Lord, there's so much more that can be said at this point here in regards to this text. But I, Lord, I trust that the heart of this message is, is seen. It's clearly understood. Lord, Paul is sharing with these, these believers at Thessalonica, no doubt because of the influence of the Bereans. He saw how they tested the Scriptures. They tested his message in lieu of the Scriptures. And he recognized, Lord, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, that that's the way we're to be. Lord, we're to weigh everything through the filter, through the lens of your truth. Father, forgive us. Too often times we despise those boundaries. We see them as hindrances, rules, regulations, killjoys. Lord, that's the wrong attitude. Help us to see it as the nurturing, loving hand of God to preserve us, to protect us, to guard us, to guide us, to keep us safe on the road in this journey of life. Father, help us in the area of discernment. For we lack. 
And it's because we do not know your word as we should. Lord, give us a new hunger. Give us a new thirst for your truth to know you more. And Lord, not to just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Help us, Lord, not to look upon our own liberties, but to esteem others greater than self. Not about whether it's right or wrong, but Lord, whether or not it's what's best. Give us the discernment to always ask, Lord, guide me in this step. Guide me in these decisions. Guide me in my life. Lord, that I would seek to do what's best so that it might honor you and please you. For this is right in your sight. Father, have your will and way in us today. Help us to take this message to heart. Help us to examine it in lieu of Scripture. And Lord, help us to apply it. If there's any area of evil, any form of wrongdoing, help us to lay it aside for your namesake. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.